lot of these late night movies with Ben Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, normal, or off kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. I'm Ben. And I'm going to go home, chase myself around a little, and play hard to get. We are very deep into our Spider-Man series, which we still don't have a name for, which is going to come up in a little bit. Spectacular Spider-Man. Okay, I guess it's not coming up a little bit, it's coming up now. <laughs> <laughs> After we recorded that first episode, the, the doozy of an episode, that was our Spider-Man same Sam Raimi trilogy kind of retrospective, we talked a lot about, well, what do we name this series? And I remember, Ben, in that recording, you said, this is the first time I'm thinking thinking about it, I want some more time to mull it over, that type of thing. And we three kind of just said, okay, you know, fine. We're, we're going to have to debate this for the rest of the series. I do have to mention, though, that in between the recording of that first episode and this this fourth episode, because we live in a turnstile world uh, where there is nothing but cinemodities at dusk, Ben did send me some ideas for what this series should be called. So just to recap... Zach wanted into the Spider Cast. I wanted Spider Month colon too many Spider Men. And Ben sent a, f- a few ideas. I think it was maybe five in total. Uh, maybe one of them was something you mentioned when we discussed uh, the series name in that first episode. But one of the things Ben sent to me was Spider Man's Giving. And my response was, oh shit, that's perfect. We're getting rid of fans giving. We're getting rid of Titanic's giving that Zach mentioned. We should do Spider-Man's giving. And I thought when I responded to Ben that since he had pitched it, we would be like, we're good. Ben and I are going to team up against Zach. We're going to beat out into the Spider-Cast. But no, Ben has now a third idea for what it should be, and it's Spectacular Spider-Month. So we're still completely split. I don't know, Zach, has anything that I've just said changed your opinion? Or maybe have the last two weeks of other Spider-Man movies changed your opinion? Because we don't record things out of order at all. <laughs> we don't. The turnstiles aren't a real thing. That's all a myth. I don't know, Spectacular Spider-Month is kind of neat. But I also like the idea of just, like, being, like, oh, God, indecision. Just, like, like being a thing, because that's what's also happening on another podcast that Rob bleeps out every time I say it. Oh, no. <laughs> we cannot be... just copy things from other podcasts. Thank you. Ben. We're not copying. I think ben and I are on the same page. Different... We're emulating. We can't just emulate things. We can improve <laughs> things that other people are doing, but we cannot just copy or emulate. That's Ben not is like we cannot I'm... blank. You know, Mad Lib style. Insert whatever word Zach uses for this podcast. <laughs> that's... I, I will refuse to be a part of any project that's just going to copy another project. Which is, I so, that's why right. we should that's copy ourselves and do Spider-Man's Giving. Spider-Man's Giving is the, we've we've done Fans Giving. We, we've done, the template's there. Spider-Man's Giving. Ben, you thought of it. It's simple. It's perfect. I know you like Spectacular Spider-Month. I, I, I think I like... Alliteration, bro. That's another good one, yes. <laughs> I do want to also mention that in, in the other things that Ben put forward, um, he... he he put the series, two other pitches, he said, were two spider man movies. 
<laughs> which is wonderful because that's exactly how I feel about this fucking five Monday November we're going through. And then he I also put that, one. that was a really good one. He also put forward Spider Man colon he's like a spider but he's a man, which I think was one you mentioned when we did our Tobey Maguire episode as well. But I love those too. But I don't know Spider Man's giving it. That's the one that just clicks with me type of thing i i get it from the standpoint of like the consistency with the past but i just i will i if we pick spider-man's giving i'm fine with it but i'm gonna go on record and say that it's not my favorite name i do love the alliteration of spectacular spider month but now that you just reminded me of two two spider mini movies <laughs> that's pretty goddamn funny that's really funny zach have, have we have we thrown you have, have you have your scales tilted for the name of this series yet I, I, I like Ben's new ones. Too many Spider-Man. No, that's dumb. Like, no, I veto. This has to be like, it's like a jury conviction. Well, yeah, I know you thought it would be dumb that. because I picked it up from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Zach. That was the point. We talked about that three weeks ago. Unbreakable. <laughs> Unbreakable. Unbreakable. She's live, damn it. <laughs> All right, so you veto the Unbreakable one. Okay. Yeah. So we're not. We're not. So we're not doing Spider Month colon too many Spider Men. We're throwing that out, which I'm fine with. That was my pitch from from the start of the series. We're throwing that out. I'm fine with that. My new horse I'm backing is Spider Man's giving. What's what are you still leaning towards, Zach? And no, you cannot say anything related to bleep bleep the podcast. I would have bleeped out if I said the name of because <laughs> we don't need to give them any advertisement. So we can't have the suffix cast in any of that. No! No, we're never doing that. We're never putting pod or cast in our series titles. We're better than that. We, Like Ben said, we are not copying are slash emulating. Are we, though? We're doing new stuff, Zach. Ben, you're with me, right? We're doing new stuff. Well, okay, so I don't know about better. I don't know about better than the other podcasts. I've never heard of them or listened to them. But better than copying somebody else, 100%. We're not copying though. Like they've never done Spider Man. Like it's the idea. Rob doesn't like the idea that we're emu- like. But we're copying the, their the format, podcast. their template that they're putting cast and pod and podcast in their title. We've never done that. Okay, so it's a new opportunity. No, we're breaking it's, new it's ground. A, it's a, a route we don't somewhere. need to go down because it's been you know it's it's just stampered to death with other people's feet. <laughs> okay, so if we're just gonna copy things, uh, let's do like Law and Order Spider Man unit. <laughs> in the in the podcast justice system the people are separated by two equally yet important groups robin zach and ben ben does not want to talk for five hours about spider-man zach wants to talk for five hours about spider-man these are their stories <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'm just saying if we're, if we're just gonna copy things just copy everything why don't we just play parts of the movie instead of I talking? like the way you think, Ben. Let's just copy everything. Oh, no. So we got the Ben Deucer. Oh, no. oh, my God. I want on record that if Ben were to ever listen to Blank Check, he would 100% get that Rob is Griffin Newman. Like, I just want that. Like, ben would well, be like, yes, I've said this before, that I have a, I have a very Jesus. similar personality to Griffin on that show, who I turns out I hate listening to because he's too much like me, and he's making decisions that I probably would have made or would have not made on a final kind of, you know, just momentary analysis it's a weird thing we don't need to talk about this this is the second spider-man series episode we're recording we don't need to talk about this the series is still up in the air let's think about it some more let's get into I venom forward, i look <laughs> i look forward to deciding the the name of this series two weeks prior i think if anything the name of this series is going to be like post hoc like the series will be done 
edited, released, and then we will think of the title. But it'll be the four. It'll be the four year extravaganza where it's eventually decided. <laughs> yeah, back in November, you know, now that change, of course, our series name changes what all of our audience members think about this stuff. But no. We've thrown it out there. We have the next stage of the title of this miniseries. Ben has given his thoughts. But now let's get Ben's real thoughts about something that he set up at the start of the series. It's Venom. Now that we're done with the main three Spider-Man movie series, you know, we did our Tobey Maguire, our Andrew Garfield, our Tom Holland. What better way to continue this Spider-Man's giving? Sorry, that might have been a little too cheeky for me. Then Venom. Ben, we know back in the Tobey Maguire series, or episode, because we did all three in one episode, you said that you had some affinity for Venom, and you had some issues with how Venom was portrayed, if I remember correctly, but now we're getting to his standalone movies. So, with you being the, of course, our resident Spider-Man expert, uh, relatively, of course, our Venom expert, uh, in the same way, what do you think about Tom Hardy as Venom? And of course, we're talking about Venom 1 and 2, uh, Venom... And then Venom 2, colon, let there be a terrible movie title. But Ben, I really want to throw over to you. What do we need to know about Venom? How different is he from what you know in these movies? Of course, the age-old question, is this your Venom? Go for it, Ben. Enlighten us. So as far as what you need to know about Venom, this movie covers it pretty well. Um, the origin of how he, how the symbiotes get to Earth has changed over time. But the overall idea is the same. Uh, the symbiotes somehow gets earth in some of the earlier cartoons it's uh you know via infecting an astronaut when he's out on the moon and shit like okay. that but uh other than that you know it, the end result's the same you end up with these these black goopy symbiotes that need to attach themselves to humans or to a host species to survive and then uh they kind of amplify the traits of the host and this is seen even in the, the newest Spider-Man cartoon that's on Disney+. Plus. You know, we, we actually end up seeing Doctor Strange taken over by a symbiote, and, and that symbiote uses the magic that Doctor Strange has. And, and there's a couple of other, other things where it's like the symbiote is kind of is, is strengthening parts of the host that are useful to it, and at the same time also typically kind of mind-controlling it to some degree. I think this is what we talked about with um, uh, Topher Grace as Eddie Brock in Spider-Man 3 from the Tobey Maguire series, that the only reason he has Spider-Man powers is because the Venom symbiote has melded with Spider-Man earlier and uh, taken them over, if that makes—does that make sense? Right, and, and that's, okay, okay. That's, kind of, that, that's kind of at least my headcanon about why that's the case. I don't know if it's, uh, if it's established anywhere, but— um, I know for one, you know, Marvel has this kind of history, at least with the movies, of having people fight evil versions of themselves. Yeah. And and I, at least with with the Venom character, I, I I find that I that I appreciate it more because Venom did attach to Spider Man first. Well, the symbiote that becomes Venom did attach to Spider Man first, so it does have access to his memories and his knowledge of his powers. And essentially, the the web slinging that Venom does is like using its own body, the symbiote's own body, to stretch out and act as a web, which is reasonably completely within its abilities, uh, but it just needed the information that that's how Spider-Man got around to decide that that's what it wanted to be doing. Ah, okay, gotcha, gotcha. And then, and then of course, it takes over um, a human, a regular human, Tom Hardy in this. Uh, is it Eddie Brock? Am I, 
Is that the name that Tom Hardy has in this? Yeah, yeah. They they give him <laughs> okay. Eddie Brock once again. Uh, they, I, they, they they give him the whole I, from what I read, which is something I I'm glad you bring up because I wanted to pick your brain on Ben. Apparently, this is going off a comic book series that the prologue, I guess. Like you know, in in the original Venom movie, we start with Tom Hardy. He's a journalist. He has a successful like you know Vice like TV show, um, that type of thing. But he's in San Francisco. He's not in New York, which is where you expect Eddie Brock, you know, from a rival newspaper to Peter Parker to be. And that's what I found in the comics, that originally Eddie Brock was at a different newspaper trying to get pictures of Spider-Man, you know, to combat the Daily Bugle with Peter Parker. And then he does some shady journalist tactics, like photoshops some pictures or, or says some things that are not true, and has to leave New York to go to San Francisco. For, so from my research, this movie is picking up on a very specific Eddie Brock story that removes him completely from Spider-Man. That's interesting. I I, I, uh, I guess I'm not super familiar with uh, the, the thoughts in the Venom like in the universe that this Venom movie takes place in, okay, is as to whether Eddie Brock is aware of Spider-Man or not, or or whether he's even started to, um, you know, s- swing around New York yet. But yeah, anyway, so so he he takes over, uh, you know, Eddie Brock, and he continues to use the spider powers. Uh, whereas in in this movie, um, and this is something that I really did like about this movie, he does not immediately start doing web swinging stuff. He actually uh, he mostly kind of digs his claws into buildings and and that's how he scales them and he like jumps around a lot dude i have to agree with you that there is a certain sense of you know through both of these movies venom and venom colon worst title ever that you have him just destroying infrastructure to move it's it's actually really interesting yeah and so i i personally like you know obviously that that kind of it's it's not in the same canon obviously as like the uh, the 1990s series where where the symbiote attached to, to Peter Parker first, or in in the Spider-Man three world where the symbiote again attaches to Peter Parker first. Uh, this is a symbiote that has never been attached to a Spider-Man. So so in that way, like going into this movie, I I kind of went in as as a blank slate, uh, in the sense of like I wanted to put everything I know and feel and love about Venom aside. And just experience this movie for what it was, knowing that they were not going to do the things that I'm used to seeing. And uh, to be completely honest, and and I don't know, I, I don't know how this movie was received. I don't know if like super fans got mad about the fact that that Venom didn't attach to Spider-Man first in this. Uh, but I have to say, for what they did with it, I fucking love it. Okay, okay, that I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because that was going to be my transition question. Um, did you see both Venom and Venom 2 in theaters? Yes, I did. Okay, so I remember you telling me about uh, Venom, you know, I think, what, 2018, so maybe three years ago. I, I remember talking to you and saying you were like, oh, Venom, I like Venom, I saw the movie, and it was good. I, if I remember correctly, was that the, your your case, your takeaway for me was like, I enjoyed it? Yeah, definitely. Nice. Um, I, I, I definitely, I, I think I was even having kind of a bad day, and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go to the movies, and I like went and watched Venom, and it, like, it actually made my day better. Like, that's the kind of, <laughs> that's the kind of relationship I have with this movie. Venom said food, and you were like, oh yeah, maybe I should eat something today. <laughs> that's, that's right, that's right. I had, I had not eaten. Um, okay okay and of, of course something else that's different you know with this and, and regular canon is that is that this venom is is kind of like an anti-hero yes and of course venom is a villain like straight up a villain in the in the 
1990s. I'm sure something you're going to talk about more, the idea of the lethal protector, right? Is that something you're, <laughs> you're familiar with in the comic books? I'm actually not familiar with that. Oh, uh, that okay. This is crazy because that was one of the things I've always known about Venom is that he gets okay. called the lethal protector. And it takes until the second movie for that to really kick in on Venom's kind of whim. Like he's the one who wants to be called that in the second movie. Yes, yeah, that, I thought that was hilarious, but I, I was not, I'm not familiar with the, oh, with the comics. Okay, okay. So, my main interactions with Venom come from uh, the, the 90s cartoon, um, yeah, yeah. or anime, I should call it an animated series, calling it a cartoon makes it feel like it's for children. Um, the 90s animated series, uh, and then, you know, I, I think there's some Venom stuff in Spectacular Spider-Man, but it's been so long since I've watched it, I don't remember. Sure, uh, sure. And then in in the the one I mentioned in, like, the 2017 ish time period uh there's some venom stuff in in, in that animated series as well okay. and of course that that animated series also differs from the the 90s one in terms of well in, in a lot of ways but but especially with regards to venom there's some differences gotcha gotcha okay so so yeah i'm glad i remember correctly i'm glad you've uh, said it you know on this recording that you liked the first venom uh now you've seen the second venom in theaters i think we all have seen the second venom in theaters my context is boring as it will always be for these spider-man movies i did not see the first venom until maybe four or five days ago when i watched it the night before i saw venom 2 colon what a bad title uh so zach i want to throw it to you because i think i remember very specifically you told me that you saw the first venom in theaters and you were kind of nonplussed by it. You were like, that's a movie, and I saw it. Is that right, or am I misremembering? Am I confusing this with something else? No, no you're exactly right, because, oh, God, this is... I remember when this... This is one of those movies that, like, ever since Spider-Man 3, Avi Arad, our favorite Spider-Man person, yes. was, like, trying to, like, just get this made. We we just like to imagine on Cinematis that Avi Arad constantly walks around with a, like, creme brulee torch lighter waiting <laughs> to destroy film prints, right? Is that what we're saying? Pretty much. <laughs> he, he's the ultimate, like, like, criminal when it comes to the art. I didn't like that. Let's burn it. <laughs> Yeah, he basically walks around. He's like a Mr. Burns, but just solely for, like, buying, like, prints of things. Yes, oh my god, somebody needs to do the sketch of Avi Arad looking at a closed-circuit TV camera, and on the closed-circuit TV camera, he sees the devil and goes, Who's that gentleman? I like the cut of his jiv. Uh, That's uh, that's Lucifer, sir? Yes, get him in a meeting. (laughs) Avi Arad is the Mr. Burns of the Marvel Universe. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's actually a very odd comparison. Um, But no, I remember this is something they kind of like just greenlit really quick back in like 2017 like i think it was like oh tom hardy's attached and like it was just in production immediately um i really at the time in 2018 was hoping this would be another like fan four stick i really wanted to be like just like sony shooting itself in the foot and I, I went to go see it. Like I remember at the time, like I bought all, like not bought. It was like this was back in the heyday of like Regal Reward stuff. As Rob remembers, I think some of that trickled into like podcast recordings at the time. And I think during the Avengers Endgame experiment, I think I bought a hoodie. And I'm like, Rob, I spent oh, forty thousand, yeah. like yeah. forty thousand points on a hoodie. And Rob's like, I don't care. <laughs> um, I'm um, like Zach, you like, spend your points on whatever you want, but if it's not like you know. A, a solid steel poster. What are you doing with a hoodie exactly. for Venom? And then Zach sends me the damn Sicario 2 Day of the Soldado shirt, and I'm just like, I'm never going to wear this, but I kind of love it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a cool shirt, by the way. Like, that is a neat... I still have that um, shirt it's a, it's an 
edgelord shirt. I don't think it's cool. <laughs> it's cool because it's it's like merchandise based off a movie that nobody has ever seen. That's Forget fair. about the Rob. Rob, the graphic doesn't matter. It's the idea that it's Sicario Dose merchandise. How much of that exists do you really think? Outside of the Blu-ray and the DVD, how much of that do you genuinely think exists? Uh, you're not wrong with that comparison, but I have to say that it's, the shirt you sent me, the merchandise you sent me, does not have somebody stealing french fries, which is the only important scene of Sicario Dose when somebody steals french fries. Throwback to three years ago on Cinemodities. Jesus. <laughs> Um, but no, so, like, I remember at the time, like, getting all the Regal Rewards, like, merchandise for this. They had, like, a really cool thermos that, like, when you pour, like, liquid into it, um, cold or hot, like, it would change, like, it would do, like, the Venom, like, not webbing, but just the symbiote, just, like, like that sort of graphic. Yeah, um, Ben, I, I, I don't know if you knew this about Zach, but Zach loves, like, running down point systems and buying garbage with those points. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you suggesting that my Venom popcorn tub that i used to give out on hollow like halloween candy and once a year was garbage rob ben please weigh in you, you're you're the you're the tiebreaker here ben as much as i hate saying that because zach knows what i'm referencing ben what do you think are are regal cinema points worthwhile <laughs> i don't know what regal cinema <laughs> well, well ben let me let me put this into the rob mindset is fake currency worthwhile <laughs> Ben, have you ever been to a Chuck E. Cheese? Do you understand the idea of a ticket system? I mean, yeah, definitely. I... Okay, replace Chuck E. Cheese but with a movie theater chain. That's essentially the same like level we're working at. Do you get I don't know, points I think... just for spending money? Well, I think Ben would like the thermos. The thermos is pretty cool. Like, I think if like if Ben saw the thermos, like you put liquid in it, and like over the days it gets room temperature, like the little like symbiote like over pattern like, the disappears. days. <laughs> I met ours, but oh anyway, sure, I think sure. Ben would, I think Ben would like some of the Ben like swag I got. Ben, are you happy that you've joined Cinemodities after all this? <laughs> ben, I scale one to ten. How much do you regret every decision in your life, specifically this moment on uh, Cinemodities history? Ben's like, like I should have known. Rob had me start with Neon Demon. Man, that was a boring I, movie. <laughs> I guess I'm just kind of in a daze trying to figure out exactly how I got here. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm fine with with um, points systems. I mean, my theater has a point system, but I, I don't think I've ever used it. I don't even know if they have like swag that I could get with it. I suspect if they did, and I racked up points and didn't use them, I, I would probably get a sweater or a blanket or some shit from them. Uh, but I think mostly they use, they're used for uh, discounts on concessions in my theater. Yep, yep. Uh, oh, yeah. Which I'm all for because I'm going to get concessions. So. No, but the point being with that is, like, this was something, like, getting back to the point of, like, Context Venom, um, I was really hyped for this. I, I remember, like, in 2015 regretting not getting more, like, Fant 4 stick swag because, like, that stuff just, like, dried up. Um, like, one of my holy grail, like, movie memorabilia things, they actually made, like, a teleportation uh, teleportation pods from that film like as like a weird sort of like st like maquette statue and <laughs> i've never been able to find it since like it's one of those things like you, have to, you can only win it as a prize but no it's like i went to venom kind of expecting a disaster and it felt so small scale but like in a refreshing way like this was right after like avengers infinity war right before endgame and i'm like like i found it refreshing it was kind of like the equivalent of drinking a ice cold soda on a hot day like 
at the end of the day, like because it's just it's a diuretic, it's dehydrating me, so it's not doing me any favors. <laughs> but it felt good in the moment, and I'm like, okay, like this is fine. I know, like on Zengness, like I talked about this, like I became like the residential Spider-Man expert for a couple of years for Zenger. Um, it was fine. There really wasn't anything to say about it. Like like we've discussed in previous episodes now, I love Venom as a character, going back to the 90s series, much like Ben. Um, yeah, it's it, – the Tom Hardy first film, like we'll definitely will get into uh, Venom 2, Day of the Carnage, Otto. Zach, that They're, was clunky. That was clunky, Zach. I just want to let you know that. Putting Otto to, at the end was pretty clunky. You want to go back to Carni- or Venom 2, The Crimes of Carnage Wall? You like, could have said Carnado. You did not say Carnage Otto. <laughs> forget it. Um, listen, this is a Venom episode. I'm putting as much effort into this as the producers put into the movie. Thank you. Thank you. Can I jump in here? Because I'm glad. Now I know what you guys were thinking. I know both of you you guys, independently, you know, when this movie came out, 2018, both Zach and Ben, we talked about Venom, and I had never seen it. I had never seen the first Venom movie until a few days ago. I uh, I watched it. Next day, I went to the theater, saw Venom 2, that type of thing. I have to say, I was kind of wildly bored during both movies. I gave the first movie a 2 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I gave the second movie a 1 out of 5, but I'm thinking I should actually switch those. These movies were boring. These movies were uninteresting to me. I think the only thing I cared about in both of them was Tom Hardy's performance in the first one. He sucks in the second one. The first one, he's going half Bronson. He's not going full Bronson when he should be going full Bronson. So we've got this all out of the way. Of course, this is our Spider-Man series. Zack and Ben have some affinity for it. I have nothing but neutral to distaste for it. Where do we want to start, Zach? Do we want to start with uh, well, the first no, I, Venom? I wanna, How no, do we want to break this, this down? But this is but this is the thing, though. I think you're, you're you're hitting a point that you're not intending, and you're correct. I think Spider-Man has this weird sort of just like as Rob being the academic here, like this weird sort of curve when it comes to like grading that we give Spider-Man so much. Oh God, padding when we like critique it, not us specifically as in cinemas, but just as like a culture at large, because Spider-Man really has become like weirdly enough, like the flagship superhero, like in a way that like, I don't think Batman ever rose to. Like, I know obviously Batman's ubiquitous, Spider-Man's ubiquitous, but Spider-Man gets this weird sort of just like insulation. And I think that's the thing that goes to like, you were saying Rob about like the Venom movies And I think I'm just as guilty of this. I don't want to speak for Ben, but like it was the idea that like, oh, I expected a disaster from Venom and I got a at best okay movie out of it. I want to actually take that and deflect it right at you, Ben, because Zach asked a great question. Are you a Venom fan because you like Spider-Man and Venom is your favorite villain of his? Or do you love Venom because of his independent status? Because, like you were mentioning in the animated series that you've watched, Venom and Spider-Man are very closely tied together. Do you like Venom in this standalone movie, movies, because you like him through Spider-Man or because you like him independently, if that makes sense? It does make sense. Uh, I don't know that I can really separate Venom from Spider-Man just like in my mind but I wasn't watching these movies like don't like so okay so I watched the movie like I wanted to see Venom because it's a Spider-Man related 
character. Okay. I think you just hit the nail on the head as well, is that, you know, you might have just asked my question the best way possible. Did you watch these movies because of its Spider-Man connection? And it sounds like you might have started that way, but transformed into something more more grand scale about Venom. Well, I, I, what I was going to follow that up with is I did not miss Spider-Man while I was watching these movies. Nice. Okay. Okay. But I think the thing is that, like, I, I agree with you, Ben. Like, I did not miss Spider-Man either. And we'll definitely get into the Venom 2, like, post-credit scene and what that clearly is building towards. But I think with the first Venom, like, I was, like, I was, it was kind of, like, come for the Spider-Man connection, stay for the black, gooey character that's like, is neat for my childhood. <laughs> but by the time it got to the second film, like, I felt I was just going to it because, like, okay, I have to. Like, it felt almost, like, compulsory in the sense of, like, I have to see this if I... It's the same reason why I saw Shang-Chi. It's the same reason why I will see The Eternals. That's my next question is... is it's homework. Is Sony trying to... Yes, homework. Is Sony trying to make these Venom movies homework like I... And you and I, Zach, have said about, like, The Eternals, about Shang-Chi, about Black Widow. Isn't it just like... Like, you you know, when we right before we saw Avengers Endgame, you and I, Zach, for the second time, my dad said, do I need to see Captain Marvel? And that's the equivalent of asking, it's like, do I need to eat the broccoli before I eat the steak? Right? Yeah. But that's the weird thing about comic book movies right now, is that, like, in, for the same reason why I found Venom so refreshing in 2018, is now why, like, I just don't care at all about it. It's, like, it's just another, like, brick in the wall. It's, it's, it's the same reason why, like, I was, I think we talked about at some point in a pre-show recording of, like, Marvel's What If. Like, it was like, oh, cool, wouldn't it be, like, really neat if they had, like, an anthology series about, like, these alternate realities of characters? Like, that's a concept. I'm like, okay, like, something that's not beholden to continuity. Then you watch it, and it's like, oh, it's beholden to continuity because that's the entire thing. It's con- like that's the only yeah. reason why they like it's like oh like why do people like Marvel movies because the characters are fun have like colorful costumes no continuity and it's like oh god I don't care just just make fun stories like that's all that matters um it's one of those things it's the bedrock of just like oh god storytelling is just human beings um <laughs> and and that's the thing though I feel like Venom is just like you said, Rob, it's the idea that like you just you have to consume it if you want to understand the next yeah. step in in the puzzle. Exactly. And it's just it's becoming like I said, like I agree with Ben. Like I big Spider Man fan, so they are doing a Venom standalone movie. I'm like, oh, like, but it just like there was this as a comic book fan. Or I'm sorry, a comic book character fan because as somebody who's only read a handful of comics, I feel bad labeling myself that way. But it was like, oh, like they're making a Venom movie where they can't touch Spider Man. And I'm like, oh, like that's that's a really interesting concept. Like the idea of like just taking, like Ben said, like the idea of the the symbiote being so tied to Spider-Man and completely divorcing the two, especially when you're making like a hundred million dollar blockbuster. That's a really interesting, bold notion. And then you get to the second movie where they're just like they like the whole movie, not to jump too far ahead, is basically just filler for that post-credit sequence. And I'm just like, like, like at the end of it, I'm like, fine. I'm like, just get it over with. Should we talk about the post-credits scene now? Because I think everybody who's listening to this podcast, of course, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Why the hell are you listening to Cinemodities if you don't want to be spoiled? Not about the thing 
we're Lewis talking about, but everything else, now? you know? Oh, Lewis yeah. for what, a month and a half? Yeah, probably a month, yeah, when this comes out. But I, I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on this exact thing about the post credit scene. I knew about it. So before I even saw it, I knew what happened. And I think we even mentioned it earlier in the Spider-Man's giving. Every, everybody knew about it. Like, Sony went out of their way to, like, let people, yes. like, see that sequence so they could leak it. And that would be – that was the talking point. That's the exactly, only – exactly. if you're a Marvel fan, that was the only reason to see this movie. I just wanted to throw out that after, you know, reading about it so much and finally seeing it, like, on the big screen. Because I saw Venom 2, colon, worst title in existence in theaters – I, I think it kind of sucked. It kind of is disjointed in the fact that you have, you know, Venom go, you will not understand everything I know, Eddie Brock. And he goes, well, show me a little bit. Okay, I will show you a little bit. And then they go into this new universe, and it's like, oh, that Venom's like, I want to tongue fuck that person. And Eddie Brock <laughs> is like, I'm just in a room now. Okay. It was the it was just so weird. It was so out of place. I did not like that post credit scene. I don't know. What did you guys think? I, I mean, not only in the post credit scene, I also did not like the fact that they are trying to now tie this Venom into the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think Zack and Ben both know whenever there is some connection to the MCU, I immediately have a stronger distaste for it than anything else. But I don't know. What did you guys think? That's the thing, though, about, like, understanding the business side. Remember, remember, Rob, like, two, like, maybe Ben. I'm not sure how much Ben knows about, like, the business side of stuff. But, like, two years ago, remember there was that big thing where, like, oh, Sony and Disney are having, like, a divorce over Spider-Man. Sure. Tom Holland. And, like, the internet freaked out because everybody's a baby on the internet. <laughs> and I think the thing is that, like, it's, it's the idea of all Sony – like, Sony wants us to have, like, the Marvel, like, just, like, tangential, like, rub off on them. I think it, would, it goes to back to what we talked about, you know, in our first episode of the series is that the um, studios want to possess certain things. If they well, can't think, possess well, them, they want to have them tangentially related to get that runoff, like you just said. Well, I but I think you're in a weird situation and, like, it's funny, the relationship between, like, Sony and Disney feels like a, an Eddie Brock symbiote, like, relationship almost. As in, like, like you said, Disney's the symbiote and all it wants to do is just, like, latch on to anything <laughs> that it can. Sure. It doesn't care what it is. Like, it's good. Like, much like the first film, it's just going to suck the daylight to have whatever it can and move on. Um, and whereas Sony's just like, okay, I, I guess there's a benefit to this. Like, like, I guess we're a good vessel for this thing. Um, but, like, that's the thing about just, like, all of this Marvel nonsense, like, Marvel proper nonsense. Yeah, I hate yeah. when people like, I hate that, like, the MCU is an actual term we use now. Like, I hate that. It's like, no, it's 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 Marvel movies. Like, there's only one Marvel movie. It's the equivalent <laughs> of saying, like, oh, it's a Warner Brothers movie. There's nothing else. MCU, it's Marvel. It's either Marvel. It's, there's no more, like, X-Men nonsense or, like, Oh, Angley Hulk nonsense. No, I, I think that's the thing. It's just so we're in, in a place w with the film studios. It's just they're doing this for the sake of like a weird form of conquest. Mm -hmm. And the movies are a byproduct of that. And I think that's okay. What, whereas the first event, like I said, I, the only adjective I can think to actually apply to that first film is refreshing. In 2018, it was something slightly different. It wasn't as bloated and self-indulgent as Infinity War was. So I was like, okay, like, fine. Like, mm. it was also only like, God, that first film is what, maybe 80 minutes long? It's it's 
it's an in and out movie, which is we've said numerous times on this podcast. Anything that's just like I don't know what fucking movie you guys watched. The first Venom was a hundred and seven minutes. Whoa, 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 the credits are like twenty five minutes long. Okay, I kidding. do count those because I watch all the credits. So well, that's fine. But if you actually go through like the run, to, like the actual like, if you stop once huh. the credits begin, that's like an eighty minute movie. I like, usually that was... Ben knows I usually do that. I did not do that for Venom. I think because I was just waiting for a stupid goddamn post credits scene. Well, that's fine. Like, I'm not counting the post credits in with that. But no, the exactly. first Venom is no, very no, short. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even like the second film, like that was a, it's a very similar thing. Like, like, and this is something too. I just want to oh, point out. No. I think the exact opposite. The second movie is definitively, objectively shorter. It's 90 minutes long. Yeah. It felt like it was six days long. The second movie felt like I was in the theater for six fucking days. It was a terrible experience. Well, the second movie is something very unique. Um, Because I know in the first film, you can tell they cut (laughs) out how boring it is? Yes. (laughs) Well, in the first film, they cut out a fair amount of stuff where you can see this, like you can tell there was some stuff baked into it that just was kind of excised. It was like the, like the first film kind of feels like a quiche where they had some ingredients that should have been there. And then like, as you're tasting, I'm like, Hmm, there should be, like, I, I taste almost like remnants of this, but it's not the actual like food, like bit isn't there, but I taste like remnants of it that were baked into the like overall dish. And the second film, you can just tell they like took like a machete to it. And just excise portions of this that just like, oh, there was portions you could tell were there. And they said, yeah, we don't need this. Wow. Okay. I think I feel the complete opposite. The first movie was a boring slog of watching somebody toast a piece of toast. The second movie was Andy Serkis going, yeah, I don't know, put the camera here. I have so much to say about how much I am against these movies. But I think... Before I don't I don't want to railroad this with my negativity. Of course, I have oh, to you ask will, Ben. Man. You will. I mean, I I will eventually. Ben, there's two things I had to throw over to you. There's two things that I was kind of thinking maybe you'd notice, maybe you wouldn't. If you don't notice them, you're gonna love them or hate them. There's a good and a bad. Which would you like first, Ben? The good or the bad reference? Surprise me. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna surprise you with the bad first. How about that? So, in the second movie, which I think, Ben, you've, uh, if, if you have not said, you've told me before we recorded, that's the most recent of the Venoms you've seen. Venom 2, Let There Be, bad title. Yes. In that movie, do you remember how Tom Hardy, for most of the movie, I think it's a good, like, 60 to 70%, he's wearing this, like, blue t-shirt that says Mumford Fizz Ed Department? I did not notice. Okay. This is actually the case. I picked up on this in the movie because it was so relevant to me after looking into this before I actually watched the movie because I'm a spoiler freak. Tom Hardy, allegedly, apparently, however you want to call it, in his costume decision, wanted to wear this shirt because it is an identical version of a shirt that Axel Foley wears in Beverly Hills Cop. So Tom Hardy is actively choosing to be dressed like Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop. This was the bad thing. See, Zach, no, Zach wasn't even here for that episode. Anybody in the audience, I'm sorry. You had to hear 20 minutes of that song because that's what Martin Brest would have wanted. But Ben... That's the bad reference, which I decided to give you first. That Tom Hardy allegedly on set 
decided to dress like Axel Foley from Beverly Hills Cop. That's upsetting. It is upsetting. Ben, can I give you the better cameo now? When Tom Hardy is acting in this movie, it was his decision to be as crazy as he is in that first film. So everything he does from getting in the lobster tank to the whole, uh, the, uh, do I put my hands up? Do I put my hands down? Do I put my hands up? Do I put my hands down? That type of thing. Hey, Eddie. Who the hell is this guy? I'm going to need Mr. Drake's property back. Oh. What are you doing? I'm, uh, I'm putting my hands up. You are making us look bad. I, no, I am not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Why would you do that? Because it is a very sensible thing to do. Eddie, I will take care of this myself. Eddie, where's the bug? (laughs) That was all Tom Hardy. And this is my transition to saying my favorite part about the first movie was how good Tom Hardy was in that role of Eddie Brock. Of course, Venom has what, you know, motion capture, CGI, that type of thing. But man, Tom Hardy is owning the scenes where he is just losing his mind as Eddie Brock pre-Venom. I wanted to know, Ben, from your uh, knowledge of this uh, in the comic books and whatever, is this kind of accurate? Was it was it good for you, bad for you, that type of thing? I don't know that there's ever been any kind of emphasis on uh, an illness that the symbiote makes the host experience or anything like that. It's always been a very quick takeover, and then they're swinging right into action. So that was that was just kind of I, I felt like something that they that they just decided to put in. Okay. Um, Okay. It was okay, I guess. I, I enjoyed Tom Hardy in a lobster tank, I suppose. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad he mentioned that, because that is literally the only... I don't know about you, Rob. I knew like, you were going to want to talk that about is this, the, Zach. Yeah. That is, like, the sole focal point of this movie. Like, I was rewatching this a couple days ago, and it was like, I had to go use the bathroom, and I come back, and I'm like, Rachel, did I miss a scene with him in the lobster tank? And she's like, yeah, that was, like, two minutes ago. I'm like, damn it! That is genuinely, like, just, like, a point where, like... UI, that's just, everything's built around that. That's the only, like, genuinely fun moment in the movie, because it feels like something that wasn't a studio note. Well, I think, well, from what I found, it was actually Tom Hardy's decision to jump into the lobster tank, but also, my big thought about both of these movies was Tom Hardy's performance, and I've seen Bronson, uh, Nicholas Winding reference Bronson, where Tom Hardy goes, like, balls to the wall, 20 out of 10 crazy. And I feel like in the first Venom movie, he goes, you know, maybe half Bronson. In the new movie, he goes maybe like an eighth Bronson. And it's not as fun as I want Tom Hardy to be. Like, Tom Hardy can go crazy as an actor. And when he doesn't, I feel kind of, you know... Underwhelmed? Underwhelmed, yeah. I I was going to say gypped, which I don't think I can say anymore. So, but yeah. Whoa, 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 Rob. We know the correct... You can't say gypped, Rob. As we learned... In 10th grade history class. I can't say Jude either. (laughs) (laughs) I can't say Jip to Jude. Okay. Ben, I found my note that I was trying to find earlier that I I did some, you know, talking over. Another thing I thought you might notice. In the second movie, in Venom 2, which you saw in theaters. Ben, do you remember the scene where our kind of, like, non-Venom characters, the ones who were, like, running the uh, experiment... They walk through the insane asylum, and there's that dude in the cell who pounds at the glass. He's like, monsters! Monsters everywhere! Like, after they've seen the, uh, the, 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 the tentacles and whatnot in, in Ravencroft yeah. Asylum. 
did, did you notice who that person shouting monsters monsters was? It's not coming to mind. Okay. Dude, you're gonna love this. It's Scroobius Pip. Oh shit! Yes, it's actually Scroobius Pip. I, I I was like, when I did my research, I was like, either Ben's gonna know this and talk about it immediately, or I'm gonna get to blow Ben's mind. Scroobius Pip now has an acting credit, and he is that's, in this movie. <laughs> that's that's phenomenal. Uh, my name is Johnny Depp, and I kill people. I guess that's the best Scroobius Pip reference we can make, right, on this podcast, Ben? <laughs> um, it's an addiction, and I ain't proud of it. But the power that you feel, there's no cloud in it. The fear before the facts, as they know something's wrong. Their vain attempts to scream, their muffled swan song. The struggle, the shock in their eyes. My grip around their throat as all their hope dies. That sudden loss of breath, there is no thrill equal. My name is Johnny Depp and I kill people. Yeah, I mean, there's there's also... Do, do, have we talked about Scroobius Pit music in, in Songscreen Lonnie's? I don't the, remember. Yeah, if, if it happened, it was for two seconds two years ago in our first Cinemodities Songscreen episode, for sure. We have not referenced him recently. There, so there's one of his songs. He talks about seeing a, a dead fish on the pavement. He's just like, you stupid fish, you should have stayed where it was wet. <laughs> that's, that's what's up. Dude, yeah, Scroobius Pip is great. I think I might have reinvigorated Ben to, you know, get us talking about Scroobius Pip. But yeah, he's in Venom 2. That's a thing, Ben. It's crazy, right? <laughs> that's great. I'm, I'm glad that you told me about this. Good for him. Good for him. I think that also kind of brings us to, you know, we, we've talked about both these movies, the director's. Uh, I know, I think we discussed uh, Andy Serkis as the director of Venom 2. Ruben Fleischer is the director of the first Venom. I don't know, Zach, did you have anything to say about either Ruben Fleischer or Andy Serkis? I think they are both uninspired directors that don't do much for these movies. Gotta say. Oh, God. Um, Ruben Fleischer... Uh, this is the weird thing where I feel bad. Is that, like, Sony is such a unique studio, like, as we know, like, especially with that Sony 2014 hack... And things like Paul Feig's Ghostbusters, they give a lot of like leash to certain filmmakers. The others they have a, on a very, very like tight one. Yeah, yeah. And Ruben I, Fle- I think Ruben Fleischer gets a loose leash because he starts with Zombieland. Like, z- I like Ruben Fleischer is Zombieland, Thirty Minutes or Less, Zombieland Two, and Gangster Squad. Did you oh, guys know Gangster there was a Squad. movie called Gangster Squad? Right. You the Ryan Gosling movie with, like, Josh Brolin? Yeah, well, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. It was his first attempt yeah. to pair them together. Yeah, that's Ruben Fleischer. Yeah. Rob, that, whoa, whoa, Rob. Ryan Gosling and, and Emma Stone, that was not their first pairing, Rob. No, what was before Gangster Squad? Jesus, Rob. Crazy was Stupid the... Love. Crazy Stupid Love. We were there when your mother and oh cousins God. came out of that. The movie's bad. You monster. <laughs> we saw Kitty Galore. That's a better movie, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. But yeah, Ruben okay. Ruben Fleischer, I think Zach, the reason I wanted to bring this up is because to me, Ruben Fleischer is a I will follow what the studio says to me type of thing. He's not an inspired director. He's a no. 
a a a follower of instructions. Absolutely. Well, but there was like, but it's like this is the thing though. Like Ruben Fly in the pre-show recording, we were talking about like Halloween Kills. It feels like Ruben Fleischer is in that same camp as someone like David Gordon Green is, and like he was an act, uh, he was a filmmaker that was like in that like comedy school at first, as in like worked on a lot of comedic like big budget well relatively big budget films and then no. like migrated to like different genre fare david gordon green's getting way more than i mean gangster squad fucking bombed like whoa, yeah whoa, zombie land was a remember, success there, there's the 30 minutes or less in gangster squad were tanks do you do you remember about okay the beef like, in gangster squad's defense that was like supposed to be released right after like the Aurora, Colorado, like shooting. You are thing. the first person in the universe to ever say to Gangster Squad's defense. The entire universe, Zach, has been okay with just deflecting this into nothing. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, I, as a as, okay, as Ryan Gosling's unofficial boyfriend. Well, yeah, I will defend okay. anything that he's in. You're talking but about the scene that- where they they jump through the the theater screen and shoot people. Well, that scene never got released into the actual film. They well, cut that out. They, they reshot that. They delayed the movie like like months for that. I'm not saying it would have been a barn burner like without the reshoots. No, it's a bad like, movie. I don't. But we don't know because they reshot stuff. Like I, I'm willing. I told you that's one of those movies that, like Alien Cube, Fan Four Stick. I wouldn't even call it a. Co- everybody and Ben included. Everybody, let's start clapping for cuts of movies zach wants that will never happen okay thank you zach for going on this tangent what the fuck it's not that it's the, i don't think it's fair to judge it as like a completed project because like they like extraneous super like circumstances just fundamentally altered i know the i skipped this part of the conversation i said you want the fleischer cut i got this <laughs> hash well rob hashtag release the fleischer cut oh my god okay yes okay then ben everybody ben ben you and i were gonna tweet hashtag fleischer cut we did it right okay good thank you Ben is dying to talk about Venom again. You know that, right? I think Ben's just giving up on this. Ben's like, you know what? Let them enjoy their nonsense. Uh, something like that. Ben. Ben is dying. Ben is dying. Ben needs uh, phenylometine or whatever the brain chemical and chocolate whoa, whoa, is. Whoa, Rob, did you just say phenyl regarding Ben like another podcast that references oh, no. phenyl with their Ben? Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> ben. You're a monster, Rob. You're just culpable. You're the monster. I'm not the monster. Ben can agree. Rob is not the monster. Ben, I wanted to throw something over to you. Because, of course, you've seen Venom and Venom 2, colon, bad title. Are you aware of the Internet's thoughts about Simbrock? About the Venom movies being romantic comedies. Are you familiar with the internet's belief about that exact thing that I just stated? That Venom Uh, and Eddie, or Symbiote and Eddie, are, like, tied together through a homoerotic relationship. I don't know, Zach, if you want to clarify anything I just said, but that is a huge part of the internet culture of these movies. I am vaguely aware of it. I know that there were were talks, grumblings, or, or whatever you call it on the internet about about there being some kind of like I don't know coming out scene with Eddie Brock and Venom in the second movie and then there was some kind of hate for for somebody who was involved with the movie saying that it I don't know I don't know he didn't exactly say that that's not what was happening but he it kind of implied it well, how do you feel about this now that you've seen the second movie? Because I don't know if Ben is aware of this. I think, Zach, you might be – this might be one of the things you're ready to talk about. Um, for the home release of the first Venom movie, they marketed 
marketed it as a romantic comedy. And so there was a lot of kind of runway into the second movie being a romantic comedy. Did you get that from the second movie, or was it something completely different that you gathered on watching Venom 2? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think I think that's just some goopy shit. I don't think there was anything homoerotic about the relationship between Venom and, and Eddie Brock. Okay. Uh, I kind of agree with you for the most part. But we have to talk about when she Venom kisses Eddie Brock. Like when Michelle Williams in the first movie, you know, possessed by Venom, kisses Eddie Brock and transfers Venom to him. You you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like the yeah. the Venom kiss, the big tongue kiss of the movie. <laughs> That's very sexual. Yeah, that was Venom trying to get them together. Like it's it's talked about kind of a lot throughout the second movie how much Venom likes Eddie Brock's ex. So, but but doesn't that make that first kiss, that that kiss in the first movie, more sexual? Because in the second movie, Venom wants Anne back so badly. Yeah, I mean, it, it's sexual. It's certainly sexual, but it was sexual in a heterosexual way. <laughs> I mean, I think what I'm trying to say is a big. He's a heterosexual. Like, that's was like it? bigotry right there. Because who's for when Venom is in Anne's body, Michelle Williams' body. When Venom is constantly talking into the back of her head, how could you dare kill Heath Ledger? Zach, I'm setting you up for later. I know you're going to want to talk about that. But when when Anne kisses Eddie Brock, it's not Anne kissing him. It's Venom. It's the symbiote. It's the alien creature. Yeah. I think that's what most people are latching on to from what I've read on the internet. That's what makes it so sexual to them. Uh, that's stupid, though. I... I'm kind of half and half with you there, Ben. It's like, yes, it's it's so loose, it's stupid. But the other half, I'm like, kind of like, yeah, that that was my favorite scene from the first movie when Venom kisses Eddie Brock. I'm like, this might be the only scene I'm really like entranced into the movie type of thing. But I mean, like, it's just it's so clear. Like, Venom wants Anne. Is that her name? I don't even remember. Anne back in Eddie Brock's life. Like Venom, Venom wants her back. In yes. Eddie Brock's life. Yes. Like, if, if this was some kind of... I mean, unless, I guess you could go the route of arguing that he wants to be in a thruple. But it's not... <laughs> but it's, at the very least, it's not just a romantic interaction between Venom and Eddie Brock. But there's nothing... There's literally nothing else in the movies that supports that. Like, they have their spat, and you could argue, I guess, that that is kind of like a lover spat. But it's also kind of like having a really fucking annoying roommate's bat. Yes, yes. Okay. No, I, I like that interpretation of it, Ben, for sure. I think a lot of it is that, like, that, I, again, I could be wrong, which is my own kind of, like, short side like, analysis. It's like, isn't Venom speak almost like his id in the sense of, like, it's allowing all those primal urges out, like, the idea that, like, oh, okay, it wouldn't be right to be with Anne. She's with Dr. Dan. And then, like, Venom's, like, kind of, like, lets all that out. Right? Like, like, am I wrong in seeing it that way? Or well, I think that's what Ben was saying before about how the um, the symbiotes in the comic, you know, emphasize or hyperbolize a personality trait, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so that, that's that's definitely the case that... I, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say he's the it, but he definitely has his own desires. and Or, or rather, he... Well, yeah, in the movie, he has actually some of his own desires, which is eating people. 
mostly. <laughs> but but he he also has this whole like you won't do it pussy kind of effect on Eddie Brock, ah. uh, which we see more of in the, in the first movie where he's like jump, and then the next scene is him waiting for the elevator and he's like pussy. I'm I'm glad you bring that up, Ben, because this this is something I've wanted to talk about for both of these movies. I think it's better in the first movie, where you know we get you know Eddie Brock, Tom Hardy. He's interacting with something, he has thoughts, and then it's punctuated for a jokey purpose of, you know, Venom saying something. In the second movie, they continue this. Like, I I really, really hated when, you know, Eddie Brock first interviews Cletus Cassidy, and Cletus Cassidy goes on a useless rant about why he's a serial killer, and then Venom is like, he's a dick! And then the movie kept doing it. The movie kept having Venom, like, respond or commentate on what we were seeing through through Eddie Brock's eyes. And I really disliked it because I thought it was so annoying. But then, in the moment it was useful, is the use of the F-word in the movie. When Cletus Cassidy goes on that final rant and Venom goes, fuck this guy, and eats his head. I thought that was great, but wouldn't it have even been greater... If we didn't have all that editorializing from useless Venom lines throughout the rest of the two-hour movie. I'm going to come at you from the story-oriented perspective. Uh, That was primer to get us in the mindset of the fact that their relationship has become kind of irritating. So so are you saying that the the movie is really working towards the climax of Eddie Brock and Venom saying, We are symbiotic, but Cletus and Carnage are not? Uh, well, yes, I agree with that. But, well, that's but I, was, I agree with that. That's not exactly where I mean. I, I wasn't thinking that far out. I was just thinking like th- that. All that stuff is really setting up the whole like Eddie Brock needs alone time. Eddie Brock's tired of Venom being there all the time. He's tired of him talking all the time. Well, like, yeah, that that's their whole up. middle odd couple part of the movie, right? Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like, the reason that that what you call editorializing with Venom in the background, the reason that's there is to make that fallout make sense. Venom being there all the time is annoying. That that makes perfect sense. I, I guess what I was getting at is more of the... When we want to talk about the arc of, of Carnage as a character, he's almost lost in that midpoint because we're spending so much time on Eddie Brock and Venom. That's what I was getting at. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and, and I'm not going to suggest that that like that's not my favorite part of the movie. But I do think that, to their credit, the thing that they did really well in the first movie, and the, and that you're commenting on that they did worse in this movie and in the second movie, and like maybe pushed it too far. I think they pushed it too far for that story point. But I okay. I don't know that I think that that story point should have been in the movie. But I, but I do think that that was not just like a mistake. Like I don't think they were like, "Oh, this was good in the first movie. Let's just, let's just do it all the time, and we don't realize that we're mm. overdoing it." Like I think they overdid okay. it on. Okay, okay. Zach, well, I don't know if Zach has thoughts on that. That that's an interesting story decision perspective. <sighs> like that's the thing. I I I can't help but see like with that. This is where I become like the jaded like producer mindset. I just don't see, like, again, go back to Avi Arad. Can you imagine Avi Arad having these discussions with anybody? He's like, the, the kids love the black gooey characters. He's, like, chomping on a cigar, and he's just, like, lighting, like, the drapes on fire and the yeah. Sony, like, 
yeah. like boardroom. It's like the kids love the gooey black guy. <laughs> and like that's the thing where like, I just like it just this feels so crass. Like I'd say the second film more than the first film. Like I just I can't give it any sort of merit on those bases. And I know that's like an opinion that's more or less exclusive to me. But like I, I just I don't view the film film on that lens. I can't okay. imagine anybody like in the production meetings having debates on that level. It, so I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm of the camp where I can't I can't fathom seeing it any other way. Like they were clearly like not only it, like it's not speculation. That's a plot point like a major point in the movie that Venom and Eddie Brock like are getting tired of each other. That's we're just seeing that in action. Where Venom is always in, like interfering with his ability to interact in his normal life, but it's it's a lot of banter, right? Like the scenes yeah, that, you're talking about are just is, banter. But this is, but like I said, this is the thing where like just to bring these two, like like Rob's opinion, Ben's, is that like you're right, Ben. This is an objective like factoid about the film that's indisputable. But I agree also, like Rob's like Rob's drawing from it, as in like this is only there so we can have quote unquote cute banter. That's where I see where it's just like okay, it's an excuse just to have them argue. Well, I mean, I, I guess it depends on what you mean by an excuse to have them argue. Like, do you mean that they had already decided that there was going to be this rift between them, and they needed to throw things in there to make them argue, or do you mean that like they just thought the arguing was good screen time? I think for me, I'm asking the question of you know, in the comic books, do Eddie Brock and Venom just get along great immediately? Or do they have to have that odd couple time period, which is, I think, what we're seeing in these movies? They're getting to learn each other, you know? Uh, in the comics, well, I don't know about the comics, but in the early 1990s uh, Spider-Man, their relationship as with Eddie Brock being a person and Venom being a symbiote is not explored to this degree. Oh, okay. okay. So they, uh, they just happen to be together. Largely, Venom is... Like he don't get me wrong, he he says the royal we and things like that because because he does refer to himself as we, but the audience never gets to see okay. Eddie Brock. So. Well, I think like I said, Rob, I think it's the idea of I think the sequel is this weird sort of like oh god like condensed version of seeing what they thought was popular and what resonated from the first film. Sure. Because it's like that second film just leaned so heavily on like what Ben was saying, like that rift, like the idea of like, oh, the character of Eddie Brock is frustrated with the symbiote always being in his mind. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that's only explored as a story beat because they know they can kind of just have those moments of like, oh God, where we see Venom making breakfast for Eddie and like the ketchup bottle like explodes <laughs> on him. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's those sort of things where I think they realized that like what people really liked about that first movie was just Eddie Bo- um, Eddie Brock, Tom Hardy reacting to the CGI goo monster. Yeah. Even yeah. though the CGI goo monster is Tom Hardy's voice distorted. And they're like, okay, this is what people liked. So we're going to lean into this. Because a lot of those action sequences, like, like we talk about action sequences in comic book hero movies, and this franchise with like a lowercase f isn't really great on the spectacle. Like, it, like, like Ben was saying, I think very early, like, oh, like we see him using like his claws to scale the building. Um, but action sequence wise, these movies are kind of lackluster. And I think that second film really leans into that because it realizes people are here to see Tom Hardy act like he's schizophrenic well and 
Yes. And that's where they see the money being because that's like, what I was we, looking for. <laughs> exactly. Cause like we like, again, like one thing about Disney Marvel, they have the bombast figured out for better or worse. I just want to throw in a, uh, an alt for my opening quote for this episode. <laughs> I was really tempted to say, like, I, I think I mentioned to you guys before we recorded that I had three that I was going to choose from. I chose the one that I did, but one of the other ones was, and I can be a woman. You seen Tootsie? <laughs> Tom Hardy says that. Who the fuck remembers Tootsie? What, Tootsie was like 1987 or some shit like that. Oh, God, that's crazy. Yeah, that's, My that's other that. alt was, and I've spent a lot of time with one of these creatures up my ass. <laughs> so I have to ask you guys, Venom's not one of my favorite villains, so when I watch these movies, I think I am inherently, you know, less interested in them than you guys are. But that that's why when we get to talk about all these, that I get to rely on you for some information about them, that type of thing. I wanted to ask Ben, because it's something that actually shocked me in my comic book knowledge, you know, from being in comic book shops, playing Yu-Gi-Oh! and all these different card games. I had never heard of Riot prior to this movie. Like, yeah, Zach is laughing at me. Yeah, this is actually a big blind spot Rob, for me. Rob, Rob, not to interrupt you, but can I, can I please interject for a split second? Oh, no. Are you, you're going to make me look worse? <laughs> no, oh, no, Rob. 95, I would say 99% of people who saw Venom in its entirety, whether it be in theaters or at home, had never heard of Riot either. Oh, well, oh, shit. Well, okay, this is where I'm really now interested in what Ben thinks. Like, Ben, me, somebody who, like, lived in comic book shops playing card games for so long i did not know about these like kind of loose-limbed uh symbiotes type of thing i had never heard of riot so this this first movie with venom where reza med becomes riot i'm just kind of like i i guess this is what i'm i i have to deal with so is is that something that is you know i, I i'm on the negative end for like i should have heard about this it's riot like kind of an obscure comic book character. I would love to get your thoughts on general of just what Venom and the symbiotes did in this duology. I had heard of Riot, but I don't recall from my experiences with Spider-Man any kind of, like, elaborate involvement of Riot in in the animated series. Whether he is heavily involved in the comics or not, I I wouldn't know. But but I had heard of of the character Riot. Uh, Same with Toxin. Okay. Um, I don't know much about them, but I have, I have heard of them. Toxin was my next biggest question, because in that second movie, I was just like, oh, I was like, what is this person with blue eyes supposed to be? You know, <laughs> there was a big thing I want to talk about with both of these movies. Well, sorry, with the first movie, it's kind of the second movie has to a lesser extent. The first movie, Jenny Slate as Dr. Skurg, Ben is this a comic book character or not? Dr. Skurg? Do you know of this? Uh, not, not one that I'm aware of. Okay. Jenny Slate? I gotta say, I think she's ruinous to this movie. She's terrible. Yeah, I mean, she ruin. She literally you, makes the movie Rob, unwatchable. Oh, oh, Rob, 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 Rob. Do you, I, I'm not sure. I, I know you don't remember this, but Ben might. I remember when they released the first, like, Venom trailer back in, like, summer 2018. Oh, and she pronounces the words wrong. Yeah. Yes, she pronounced symbiote wrong. She's like, symbiote in, like, 
internet like Marvel people were like like burn her at the stake. They couldn't wait to like kind of just like torture her. <laughs> and then in the film, if you watch the first Venom film, every single time she says like symbiote, it's ADR because like, they cut away the moment she's about to say it. And yeah, it's th- ADR there's a reason she dies at the hour point of the movie <laughs> is because she fucked up most of her lines. Here, don't get me wrong. Jenny Slate is a really really good actress. Her her stint in Kroll show, the sketch comedy show that we did not discuss back in our sketch comedy Fort Month, Zach, is undeniably some of the best acting, period. Jenny Slate is amazing. Jenny Slate is wildly miscast and fucks up the entirety of this movie. I barely remember her performance, and I don't think it impacted my feelings about the movie at all. I mean, I remember, I remember her character and what she, and what her character did. I just don't remember anything like that stood out about the way she was portrayed. Okay, well, so I also have no frame of reference because I've never seen her in anything else. Zach, your thoughts on Jenny Slate? <laughs> Jenny Slate's one. I remember, like in 2018, like she was one of those names I always saw a lot, like pop up on social media, and I'm like, oh, who is this of person? SNL because of sketch comedy shows, sure. And I, I just never like. She's again like that's the thing. Like she gives a bland, if not boring, performance in this. Yes, but I, <laughs> but that's the thing. I want like that's the thing about this movie. I want the first Venom to be like a dis. I wanted Catwoman. I wanted Electra, and like Jenny Slate is not good, but she's not a dumpster fire. No, well, that I think that's where I disagree with you. She is a dumpster fire. She bad. ruins the first half of this movie. But the best thing, I'm not arguing if she ruins it, but I want her like not just to ruin it. I want her to set like the debris on fire, <laughs> and she doesn't do that. <laughs> I want her to piss on the ashes. That's even if she, even if she does save the debris in the second half of the movie, Tom Hardy with his dedicated batshit wild performance puts it out, like. Like, the first movie is performance-based. The first half being terrible because of Jenny Slate. The second half being amazing because of Tom Hardy. I, like I said, I, I, Jenny Slate, like I said, she's one of those actresses that I feel like... We've talked about a few times now in Cinematis where she, she's in that pantheon of actors where they haven't done anything. They're not particularly great. I think they're just very bland and boring. But social media has elevated them. To a level that they don't deserve. I know what you're saying, but I don't think Jenny Slate is social media worthy. I think Jenny Slate has gotten her due because of Parks and Rec and because of Kroll Show. Kroll Show was not... But that, but Rob, but, okay, this is the thing though, Rob. I don't mean social media. I mean social media as in like it's the, it's the reason why, oh god, the streaming rights to The Office are worth tens of billions of dollars. It's that sure. notion of just it's 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 those dummies that just latch on to NBC sitcom humor of the you're, of the you're late about 2000s that tangential connection of some yes. of these sitcoms. Absolutely, it's, but she's I, in I that see, like she's she's not from these shows that you hate, Zach. She's not just a Parks and Rec, Thirty Rock, you know, office actor. She's done other things, which is why I like her. But I think she's so detrimental to this this storyline where she's talking so. Baby like. You, whoever you are, you suck. Okay. Uh, my name is Doris Girth. Hmm? I need your help. I work at the Life Foundation. You do? Yes. Wow. Good for you. We're done. Mr. Brock, please, please listen to me. 
everything that you accused him of. You were right. It's all true. I don't care anymore. Really? Because he's got a lab filled with poor people and they're all signing waivers that they don't understand. And he's using them like guinea pigs and they are dying. They are all dying. Rob, is there any... Okay, Rob, I want you to take a step back for a second. Is there any is there any reason why to combine the words venom and detrimental in the same sentence? <laughs> Does this movie matter at all besides just cynical me, cash grab? To me, no. But I think that's kind of what we're discussing here as well. <laughs> I think I think giving this film the adjective detrimental is like helping its cause. I you're elevating it by giving it that label of that anything regarding when Ben comes in and Ben has all these things to say about this movie. I think it's different from when I say, you know, oh, like Jenny Slate is so ruinous to this movie. I think Ben is able to look past this one, you know, because she dies in the middle of the movie. I think Ben can look past that and talk more to you, Zach, about what is the legacy of this movie. I'm coming from when I watch it and I'm just so against it from the beginning type of thing. So I. I actually have a bit of a question just for Zach about this comment about this being a cynical cash grab. I need some clarification on what you mean about a movie being important and whether a movie even can be important outside of it being. Well, okay. That is a very fair question, Ben. And sometimes, like, I am so, like, steeped in the weeds of this, as Rob knows. Okay. Blockbuster cinema is a weird sort of terrain as to what is important and what's not important. Um, when it comes to Spider-Man and Sony and the whole like legal rights thing, this is something I really wanted to delve into in our Raimi discussion, but unfortunately some things had to be nixed because uh, a four plus hour discussion. <laughs> the point, going back to uh, Ben's question though, when it comes to the Spider-Man film rights with Sony, and this is something I really want to touch upon in um, in the Raimi discussion. Hopefully, we will we would have got we will have gotten to it in the Garfield discussion. Um, what the that, fuck is Zach talking about? <laughs> I know we're going through the turnstiles. Kenneth Branagh has a gun to Elizabeth Debicki's head. It's a mess. Oh, um, okay. Let me hit the let me hit the floor with some sunscreen. Okay, I'll be right back. <laughs> no, this is the thing. When Sony, oh, I'm sorry, when Disney bought Marvel, there was a clause in the contract. Like, it was very veiled. It's very clouded in legalese in that, oh, Sony's ownership of the Spider-Man rights had a clause that said it could sunset if Marvel as an entire entity was purchased by another company. So what Sony did, and this is all allegedly based on things I've read, listened to, watched over the years, was Sony kind of tried to pay the Pied Piper with, oh, we'll give you different just like rights to things. Oh, you can have the television rights to Spider-Man. You can have the merchandise rights to Spider-Man. And all these things happened to the point where it became that unless Sony makes a Spider-Man property, property being the key word here, film, the rights for everything, specifically the cinematic film rights, will revert back to Marvel Disney. So Sony, everybody keeps laughing like, oh, why are they making a Jared Leto Morbius film? They're not making that film solely because they feel there's a market for it. They have to make that film so they can retain some level of contractual right over the Spider-Man character. That's what I mean by this film being a cynical cash grab. It's that notion of nobody made a Venom movie in 2018 because they felt like, oh, we have a really cool story with this specific character we want to tell. The impetus to this... 
the core is Sony had to make a film with a Spider-Man tangential character in order to retain the rights so they can make money off this, whether it be through video games, just any sort of ancillary media, or even the main movie property stuff. That's what I mean, Ben. Like, I'm not saying that to be just kind of like a cool, like, hipster asshole. Okay. I, I appreciate your explanation. Uh, I do, and, and I, I think I understand it better, but I, I do kind of have a question slash maybe a challenge about the way that you're looking at this, which is, you said that they, ha they have to make these properties to maintain these rights? Yes, they yeah. have to. This, the, this okay. is the weird So, if, okay. if it's not, when, when I think of a cash grab, I definitely think of, like, people are thinking that the the zombified public will throw money at this, and that's what they're they're just like grabbing that money, even though they're making something that is kind of like artistically bankrupt. Um, in this particular case, well, and, and let me let me see something else about that. I, I and I feel like that makes the people who make the the movies in that case kind of like the villain of of that little story. Whereas, in this particular case, this is a situation you just described, these contract, contractual situations where they have to produce this content to maintain those rights, like, I'm not so certain that I view the studio as the villain in that. Like, I might view the contractual situation they're in more as the villain because it's forcing them to make content that isn't great for the sole purpose of the ability to make content in the future. Uh... You're not wrong. Um, like that's the weird. Like I said, we're getting to a point now with like cinema and just like Hollywood, just like deal making. Especially now that like Disney has nine tenths of the Marvel rights back, except for Spider Man. Um, this stuff isn't as kind of a pertinent as it once was, like three plus years ago. Um, no, like it, it's that's the thing, Ben. Like. I know Rob and I have talked about it a lot, like, in our doomed Fantastic Four discussion, the idea of, like, oh, what's the idea of, like, making a movie solely to retain the rights without any sort of intent to release it? Um, there's that sort of discussion. And that's where, like, something, like, I know Rob, like, when it comes to some of these, like, documentaries that are very esoteric, and Rob's like, Zach, why are we watching this? Like, this was very dry, like, going back to the Waking Sleeping Beauty episode, and I'm like, Rob, like, this movie is probably, like, when it comes to context for a lot of cinema these discussions, maybe one of the most important things we'll ever touch upon, because it lays out the groundwork as to how these movie studios view these things. Um, but getting back to your point, Ben, the idea of, like, oh, like, the contractual ob ob um, obligations being the bad guy as opposed to the creatives involved... Um, no, like I said, like, I, I, when I say, like, cynical cash grab, I'm not trying to punch down to Ruben Fleischer or Tom Hardy. Um, they are just trying to do their job and earn a paycheck. Uh, it's the idea that, like, there's a difference between making a, a superhero story that somebody wants to tell. Like, right now, and I really hope we can touch upon this, like, when we get to our animated Spider-Man episode in this series, I'm currently playing the uh, 2018 Spider-Man PS4 game. And that feels like a story, I could be wrong, that somebody, like a writer, like sat down and was like, okay, let me tell a Spider-Man story that we've never seen before. Whereas with Venom 2018, it feels like an amalgamation of just the car, the, the animated series, um, all like the pop culture of Venom as an entity seeping into this. It feels much more like just 
oh god an average of everything we know about the character as opposed to a novel concept and i mean that novel in the most like boiled down unimpressive way possible when i use that term i don't i don't disagree uh definitely there's a lot of i I think what you said was actually pretty good the average of the maybe lore for lack of a better word of all the venom stuff exactly but i i do have to assert that the first toby Maguire spider-man is essentially that as well oh no i agree oh no i 100 percent agree but the thing about toby Maguire, rainy spider-man the first one is that it's the first spider-man live action film well prop proper live action as in like they had the resources to ex- execute it without any sort of like limitations um it, it's, it's that old adage of some you don't have to be the best you just have to be the first across the finish line and i think that's where i we talked about it in the Raimi discussion it was just the first so it kind of set the tables as to how we're going to view spider-man cinematic material going forward it was. It, it, I think we all agree that's probably not the first film is not the best Spider-Man story ever told. It just was that first version of bringing it alive to mass audiences on a level that the character had never been seen before. Like I agree with you, hundred percent. And and I'll give you that there is a kind of there is a qualitative difference in in the fact that that was at least the first in, like you said, with the high budget, uh, and and that that does kind of mean something plus there's a, there's the question of how big a risk can we take etc but that to me so to, at least to some degree feels like studios actually making a cash grab by saying can we take this thing that people already like and just change the medium and make money off of it um if that makes sense like I said, I agree with you. I think we're just kind of splitting hairs on specific, just like like notions. When you really get into the weeds of it, um, no, like uh, all. I, I guess the, the main difference is who I want to be mad at <laughs> well, versus, versus who you want to be mad at. Well, but that's the thing. I think that's where it goes back to like Rob and I's like just like we, like, oh god, passive disdain of Avi Arad. The like Venom twenty eighteen wouldn't exist unless Avi Arad willed this into existence. Like, would you disagree with that, Rob? I have to respond now. What? <laughs> yes, Rob, you can't sit on the sidelines for this long. But, like, <laughs> you're like, okay, Rob, you're kind of like, okay, you're the as weird as it may sound, as painful as to say, you are like the arbitrator here because like Ben and I are both Spider Man fans, like in a in a deeper sense than you are, and sure. there is that notion that like. You understand the business aspect of this, not just because, like, of just your cynical disdain for superhero movies of the of the late two thousands era. <laughs> it's that notion, like, we have watched things like uh, Doomed, the the documentary on Roger Corman's Fantastic Four, the history of the Avengers movies, and like we the Avengers that. Endgame experiment. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 God, it feels like it was forever ago. Um, but like I said, no, I agree with Ben. Like, technically, like at the end of the day, on a cynical cash grab level, Avengers Endgame and Venom are on the same tier. Am I wrong, Rob? Yeah, no, you're not wrong in the sense that you know they were both playing at a a, a financial gain, but from different perspectives. Of course, when you play, you know, Infinity War or Endgame or anything related to the MCU, you're gonna get this big payout. Venom is not going to re- receive that big of a payout. So Venom 
is just kind of relaxing or relying on things that we see or know from the Venom universe. And I think that's why I have such a big problem with Venom 2, Let There Be Bad Title, is because I thought they had to shove so much into that sequel. Whereas the first Venom, I think, did a pretty good job at just relying on banter between Tom Hardy going one-fourth to one-fifth Bronson. That was my letterbox review. And he's not really going hardcore what we'd want from a superhero villain, if that makes sense. I think that's one of the big things I want to jump on in this discussion. Tom Hardy, in the first Venom movie, he goes hard. He cares. Like, you can clearly tell that he is just owning the fact that he has a alien in his body. And he just goes balls to the wall. I think the second Venom is much more constrained, and I think that they did that because they want to give Woody Harrelson more growth, but I don't think he used that. I think the second movie lost Tom Hardy's performance to give Woody Harrelson a performance, but it didn't really meet in the middle, if that all makes sense. <sighs> okay, we haven't really spoken that much like specifically about that second film. Yeah, yeah. I... I, I I saw that opening weekend. I have very little like memory of that film for no other reason. It's just like nothing happens in it. Like I, I wasn't disappointed by it. Like as somebody who has a has a faint interest in Carnage as a symbiote character, I got my money's worth out of it. There's two shots in that movie that I'm like, oh, this is neat. Like as somebody who like can still remember seeing Carnage for the first time, like in 2004, watching the animated series. I'm like, yeah, this is fun. Like, like this is neat seeing him like like big budget on like on like a big movie screen. But but for somebody who doesn't like they they didn't see their carnage in the terms of the story of you know Venom Two, isn't it all kind of like you know contrived to meet that final showdown? Like I I really felt oh, yeah, that, that, that the the story of Venom Two was just a circular build to one final fight with CGI creatures, right? <laughs> well, but, but Rob, isn't that, like, the, like again, like, I, that can be said for pretty much every, like, blockbuster franchise well, right now. Like, that, like you're 100% yeah. correct. I agree with you. But we really can't discriminate against Venom 2 on that metric. Like, the thing that I discriminate against on uh, Venom 2 is it like you have Woody Harrelson, who's one of the greatest character actors of the last god, what thirty years? Well, well yeah, if Woody Harrelson is amazing. Ab- absolutely, exactly. Yeah, and you you have this like, like Woody Harrelson is great. Like he has this this like kind of like raw talent, and they literally just pretty much like God. They they're like, okay, here's like this sack of like anvils and just cinder blocks. We want you to carry that around with the character. And it's like, oh, so he can't do anything. Like, he's just kind of there. They're they're more distraught about the character than they are the characterization. And I think that's a problem I have with the movie is that they're like, you know, oh, Woody Harrelson, he's the big villain. He should be, like, the focus of this movie. Oh, no, we're just going to dabble and, you know, sprinkle him in throughout the last 60 minutes. It's almost offensive. Well, no, and that's the thing, though. Like, and I think that's the problem is that, like, when they cast Woody Harrelson in the first Venom film, because that's what they did, they cast him, like, yep, God, yep. 
it was the idea, like, it was glorified stunt casting. It, they only cast Woody Harrelson because they knew whenever that would leak to, like, the film blogs and geek blogs, it would get them a headline. And I think it's the same thing that happened with the Venom 2 post credit scene with, with our friend uh, Tom Holland. It's that notion of the film, it, it's what you've said, Rob, when it comes to, like, watching things. Like, nothing happens for nine-tenths of the runtime, and then a lot happens in that last 10, 15 minutes solely to get you hooked for the next installment. Exactly. I think these ve- these Venom films are the ultimate cinematic per- personification of this, or maybe manifestation. Is it like, the first Venom film is solely there for that post credit scene of Woody Harrelson, so you can say, so, you can, like, normies can walk out of the theater in October 2018 and be like, God, like, did you see Woody Harrelson? He's gonna be carnage. It's it was like that thing of like um at the end of the first Avengers, where like like all the normies went to go see that, and at the end, they're like, who's that purple guy on the throne? It's there <laughs> to get people hooked for the next. It's it's that idea of like, oh, swipe your credit card so Venom can be the next thing that stumbles across his path. Well, that that's my question for you, Ben. Now to throw it over you. Is that how you see this, or are you looking at it more of a um, a gross multiverse? Are you looking at it as in terms of, you know, oh, this is what they're doing next, or are you looking at it in terms of, I hope this is what they're doing next, if that makes sense? I, I actually, I want to touch on, on Woody Harrelson's casting before I move okay. on. I'm going to be a politician real quick and not answer the question you asked me. Woody Harrelson, I think, was a bad choice for Carnage. I don't. I don't know if it's something about the fact that I recognize him to the point that when I see him, I'm like, "Hey, that's Woody Harrelson," and I'm and I'm not like lost, like, "Oh, that's a character that I'm looking at," or or what. But I I feel like, and, and you know, maybe maybe he had some kind of handcuffs on him that stopped him from this, or maybe they just didn't go this direction with with his acting, and maybe he could have acted in the way that I'm about to describe. But I definitely think of. Uh, What's his name? Cletus? Yep. I definitely think of him as being way creepier than Woody Harrelson played him. Do you have a uh, thought on who should have played him? Um, a face just flashed into my mind, but I cannot for the life of me think of his name. Okay. That's um, fair. That's fair. You know, whenever you think of it, you know, let us know type of thing. But you're saying overall that Woody Harrelson and Cletus Cassidy is not your carnage, right? Uh... I mean, yes, he's, I guess, so they also kind of leaned into Cletus Cassidy and Carnage not being symbiotic, and that's not a thing from the uh, from the 90s cartoon. Okay. Um, Carnage and Venom, in essence, like once Carnage is, is created, he is just like Venom in that most of the time, or the only time you see them on, on the screen, sure. they are in their Venom slash Carnage form. Um, was real, not, to, I'm, not to interrupt you, Ben, but it should be pointed out that, like, Carnage and Cleus Cassidy are, like, razor-thin characters, right? Oh, yeah, you, like, like definitely the two is of dimensional. Yeah, th- there's no depth <laughs> to them in the comics. Like, pretty much, like, they're, like, that's one thing the film did not cop out on, the fact that how just kind of shallow they are. But by all means, Ben, forgive me. Th- that's fair. Um, and, and I guess... Because of that two-dimensional character, I've kind of filled in how creepy I think Cletus should be. Okay. And and so maybe even in that respect, it's not a fair criticism of, of the writers. 
Um, and and you know Zach does make a good point. They could have just been paying homage to the to the comics by having him be such a thin character. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I I didn't know about any of these before this movie, so for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean Carnage was always just like a, a spiky venom that happens to be red. And <laughs> spike, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but anyway, so what what was the question you originally asked me? Something about something seeing the universe wanting it to be something. Well, I I think this all came from um this uh, Venom two uh, kind of idea of that there are going to be many symbiotes. There's going to be many changes to what we know, and then the post credits scene including it in Spider Man. I think that's the the big thought that I had at the end of this is you know what are we looking forward to. Do we want Venom and symbiotes in the Tom Holland Spider-Man universe? Do we want any of this type of stuff? My my suspicion about this, and I, it might be naive, but like I'm kind of put in the mindset of like back when Jimmy Neutron and, and Fairly Odd Parents had a crossover. <laughs> like I'm expecting like a one-time crossover episode, and okay. then to go back to normal life afterward. Um, so I don't. It's not necessarily what I want. It's just what I expect uh, from from what they're going to do moving forward. I I just, as far as I'm concerned, if they want to bring Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock into the MCU, and they want Venom to interact with Spider Man, and I don't know, have him become an actual villain because he's not a, so like he would. I don't know what his what his like relationship to Spider Man would be in the MCU because he's not actually a villain. Okay. Whereas in in most, if not all, um, stories that involve Spider Man and Venom, Venom's a, a villain. Yeah. Um, so I'm just not sure what that what that relationship would look like between those two characters. So I I I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll surprise me and do something interesting with it. Yeah, um, I I think what you just said, Ben, is um, leading to me to another question I had for you. Is uh, like I like I just said, you might have gotten on some fringes of this, but do you want all of these universes to come together? Do you want the Venom to meet the Tom Holland, to meet the, you know, new Iron Man, whatever they're doing these days type of thing? What do you think? I, I think it'll be great fun for a movie, but to be completely honest, um, just in terms of scope, I don't I don't know if this is the case for for every comic book fan, but every comic book fan I know has like a few characters they really care about and follow, and then they read the tie-ins to those characters in the bigger stories, but for the most part, they don't dabble or care about the other characters as much. Okay, okay. Um, and so I, I guess it, just in terms of, of scope, I feel like the studios are trying to follow too many characters. And like you said, you know, there, there's this there's this feeling of it being homework. Like if they made it yeah. so that missing one of these movies didn't fucking matter, then it would be a lot more like the comics, and I'd be all about it. Like make every fucking superhero movie you want, as long as yes. I don't need to see all of them. It, like let me see the ones with characters I care about, and let me skip the other ones. And I yeah. I would be all for that. But since that's not the route they've gone thus far, I don't want them to keep these characters in the universe. It's just too much already. Uh, if they decided to go that route and make them a little more compartmentalized movies where you can get a little bit of sense of tie-in, but you're not really missing that much if you don't watch it, then 
Yeah, that's great. Like, let me watch more Venom movies. That's awesome. But don't make me watch more Venom movies. <laughs> yeah. Yep. If that makes sense. No, I think that makes perfect sense. Well, like, so you mean in a sense, like, do we do we want to see Venom folded into the, the, the Disney Marvel nonsense? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the, the biggest question is, you know, do we want to see this this episode's kind of hero, anti-hero, drawn into what we know as heroes? I don't, I, okay, I don't care. Like, it's the idea Ooh. of, like... Well, again, it's indifference. Like it, it comes down to like technically, if we like look at what DC does with like I'm sorry, Warner Brothers does with DC. It's that notion of they have all the characters, they can play with them however they see fit, and look at how they just constantly keep fumbling them. And it's like okay, like you have TV show tier DC nonsense. You have like the animated TV series that's like a combination of like, oh god. HBO Max and just like straight to DVD. Then you have like the Ezra Miller Flash, where they're like, God, how many different live action Batmans are there now? Like we have Michael Keaton Batman, uh, we have Robert. Eight. <laughs> it's 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 a ridiculous amount. It's a ridiculous yeah, amount, yeah. and it's only it's only a matter of time until they sign Val. Kil- or, I'm sorry, they they write a check to Val Kilmer and George Clooney just solely for continuity's sake. Don't you dare it- bring Val Kilmer into this. He has his he has his throat cancer. And he's dealing with it. Leave him alone. God damn it. Have you seen like there's this new thing on the internet now where people are like reevaluating Batman and, and forever. Have you seen that now where people are like – it's like that same thing that happened to the they Star tried, Wars they prequels to make, like, like in 2009. Batman forever gayer than possible because it's a very gay positive movie. Um, I'm not touching that with a 30-foot and a half-foot <laughs> pole. But I do know that the same thing that happened to the Star Wars prequels is happening to uh, Batman forever. I'm just letting the audience at home know that. Um, be prepared because there's is gonna be a resurgence of Val Kilmer Batman nonsense. Have you heard this? I don't know what that thing was. What what was the same thing that happened? Well, that's the idea. Like the Star Wars prequels were quote unquote crapped on by the like like media in like the mid two thousands. Yep. And then by like two thousand, like Rob knows from like all the weird like Star Wars stuff I've thrown his way over the last like five years. People have like reevaluated the Star Wars prequels, and they're like, "Yeah, this isn't like the cinematic cancer that we preached it was back in the late 2000s." Have we all? F- oh, we're done with Venom, right? Snacks okay. and you know questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. This is gonna be pretty abrupt, uh, Zach. The one thing you wanted to say about it, and then I guess we're getting into. Yeah, I, I guess I guess Rob is ending this discussion. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ben, did you want do you want to talk to Zach for like six more hours? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm prefer- fairly good on. I, I've said most of the things I need to say about these movies. So yeah, I, I'm really good to hear. Some the of only, Zach's final the thoughts. only thing I, I'll, okay, and and let there be carnage. There was two moments where I'm like, yeah, this is neat. Like this is worth the price of admission. Uh, when Woody Harrelson and Cleus Cassidy is going through the prison, just like wiping people out, we see a point where like he split, he splits away from the symbiote, and we see like half Woody Harrelson, Cleus Cassidy, one half Carnage, and I'm like, yeah, this is neat. Like as somebody who was a big fan of the '90s cartoon, like I can only imagine like in 2004 where I really was seeped in this. Um, this would have been phenomenal. I would have lost my mind at this moment, like as a kid. Okay. Not saying it's not saying that it's revelatory. But somebody like again who grew up with the '90s cartoon like Ben, I'm like, yeah, this is neat. Considering that we've never seen Carnage done in this sort of like scale before, and something very similar to that happens toward the end, where like they're fi- like fighting outside the church. 
Um, there's another like kind of like action sequence where we see like Carnage and Woody and Cletus Cassidy like kind of like inner turmoil. And I'm like, this is neat. I'm like, this is fun. Um, I, I, it's the same reason why I appreciate the first movie. It's the idea of like these films just being like a cold soda on a hot day where I'm like, no, will these films have any sort of benefit to me as an individual? No, probably not. But I enjoyed them in the moment for the uh, visceral experience that provided. Are you telling me these movies are empty calories? Um, oh, hundred so, percent. Actually, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought up the, yeah, um, Venom splitting off into carnage. Venom at some point, he's just like, Oh shit, he's a red one. Like, that's a line in that movie. I am, like, a little perplexed by this, since we know that Carnage is a byproduct of Venom, of Tom Hardy's blood, presumably mixed with the symbiote, being swallowed by Cletus Cassidy. Is, like, are, are we supposed to think that, that Venom has encountered other symbiotes that have been modified by the the blood of another species to turn them into red symbiotes and that they're somehow stronger. Is that what we're supposed to think from that? I, I, I don't know. I, that's a fair. I, it's funny. I wondered that exact same question myself when I heard that line of dialogue uttered in the movie. Um, I think it's meant to be just a quippy line. I think it's the idea of like, Oh look, it's a red one. Like that means bad. Like I think I, again, I don't know if there's oh, any okay. depth to that is, is I have no idea. I, I, I agree I with definitely you. Took it. Seriously, I didn't take it as quippy, but I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I, it's it. I have no idea, Ben. I, I okay. think it could be anything. It, it's kind of like viewing, a dealer's choice level of analysis. Viewing that as Venom fucking with Eddie Brock right before the really dangerous stuff makes that actually a lot funnier. It's another goofy like, moment. And then like viewing it as as him being like, ah, oh, I can use this as a bargaining chip. Like maybe Venom's a little manipulative. Anyway. Sorry for the interruption. That's just yes, Rob. Go ahead, um, Rob. We apologize for discussing the top the topics of this episode, so you can just like steamroll this into like the questions. I I think yeah. I mean, I guess I'll highlight a few scenes that are that are fun from from the collection of these movies. Um, I, I kind of already mentioned it. The whole like jump off the building and then and then Venom calls it uh, Tom Hardy a pussy. I I liked that scene. Not only because it's kind of funny, but also because of the political climate that that movie came out in. I, I definitely thought that the use of pussy as a pejorative at that time would would land them in a lot more hot water than it did, which I think was literally none. I don't think anybody cared about that, and I was a little bit surprised, so I thought that was kind of, um, I guess, good. I, I don't know. And then I think there's like there's like a motorcycle scene in the first one where Venom's, like, using car parts to block bullets and shit. And that, I thought that was fun. So that was actually something, like, when, earlier when Rob said that he, that he found this movie to be completely boring. Like, I I disagree in at least the, the, the parts I remember. Like, I enjoyed that kind of motorcycle scene. Uh, and I, I enjoyed, uh, you know, Tom Hardy having the Venom stuff come out of his back and make, make uh, I don't know, what helpful maneuvers for him while he's trying to drive like a crazy person the second movie was a little like i hated all the stuff where venom wasn't on tom hardy that all sucked um oh. in terms of like seeing venom out in the clubs and shit I was, Re- I well i want to ben, ben i'm glad you brought that up rob what's your opinion on rave venom with glow sticks venom at a rave was kind of the best part of the second movie i have to say um, him saying I'm out of the Eddie closet was wonderful. 
<laughs> ben, thoughts, or do you want to delve into questions before this gets any worse? I think I'm, I'm good on, on talking about Raid Venom. Um, <laughs> the, this, the scene, one more scene from the second one, uh, I guess the the scene where Carnage has that car like lifted up, and then we see uh, the girlfriend scream, and like Carnage gets all pissed off, and he's just like, well, I, I don't know if it's that scene or another scene, but there's multiple scenes where the screaming hurts Carnage, and he's just like, shut her up or I'll eat her. Or something like that, and I thought that was fucking hilarious. I was like, that's great. Carnage doesn't care at all about you. At the end of the second movie, when Woody Harrelson is ready to kill, you know, Venom type of thing, Shriek is like, no, baby, you've gone too far. What, what, what is the point of her thinking that killing is too much? I'm not sure that I remember that. That does seem really strange, though. I don't know. I, I just didn't understand it. Yeah, I'm not sure that I that I do either. Um, I've not gotten the impression that Shriek would be particularly empathetic or sympathetic. Zach, did you pick this up at all? Oh, a little bit. Where like, um, there's a level of like weirdly like domestic abuse to Shriek, where like like Carnage is like this like smacks her because obviously the uh, the shrill nature of her superpower is uh, detrimental to the symbiotes whereas like carnage tells cleus cassie like shut your bitch up and i'm like this is this is weird i'm like yeah in 2021 yeah, yeah. blockbuster this is very peculiar how this got, kind of got passed and especially now with like the culture we live in like it's been forgiven um or forget about forgiven it hasn't even blipped on its radar um yeah there's moments like that um they are very jarring in the culture we live in um as a piece of like I said, that's the thing about these movies, both Venom and Venom 2. In any other movie, I would be like, yeah, I'm going to deduct a point for it. In these, it's like, whatever. It's just something they figure gives some layer of depth to the characters, um, no matter how superficial it is. Is it a problem? Yeah. For not cultural reasons or sociocultural reasons, more for uh, plot levels. But I just I just don't care enough to really like dig into it because I think it's just there for the sake of being there. Yeah, that that sounds right. It's kind of like filler. Dialogue. It's very it's easy character development if you can call it that. Yeah, well, it feels like it's unearned. But Rock, can we please go to our questions so we can just put this episode out of its misery? <laughs> Cinemodities, late night, all that stuff. Let's start with that. We are talking about Venom and Venom Two: Colon, terrible, <laughs> terrible subtitle. Ben, what do you think for these questions? Similarities, no. Late night, I I wouldn't turn it off if it was on. I might even see it on the TV guide and be like, oh, that sounds great. Let's put that on. Oh, that's a thing? <laughs> I think yeah. Ben wins solely for, like, referencing TV guide. Like, that alone. Like, you know what? I, I, ben wins. Ben wins this discussion. Yeah. I, I agree with his assessment <laughs> for just referencing TV guides. Um, if um, it no, pops I, up, why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, like, it, it's weird. Like, if you were to, like, forget about the current world we live in, but let's, like, rewind, like, 15, 20 years ago. Um, both of these movies, like, if this was, like, a Sunday afternoon and they were playing on TNT, like, in, like, back-to-back fashion, I'd be like, yeah, like, just, like, like, I'm folding some laundry, I'm just, like, kind of, like, doing my bills, like, some background noise. Yeah, <laughs> they're fun. Like, you want to hear that, that, uh, Venom, Venom, Venom. I listen to that every day on my way to work. I'm just, like, it's, like, I'm just, like, Venom. <laughs> like, it's, like, I'm pulling into the parking lot, I'm, like, Venom. 
When did Eminem get on this call? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 